Raise your hand if you've ever been tempted. All right, put them down. Now, raise your hand if you were tempted and you failed. Raise your hand. Well, I don't see any liars in here right now, so that's good. Let me give you some definitions so to help put everything in place. The definition of temptation is experience a test by enticement. A desire to do something wrong or unwise. Tempted to sin. The definition is this. Human act to violate God's will in word or deed. If any of us here this morning have doubts at whether that describes what we've done in our life, then we are misguided because we all have. Sometimes this may have occurred when you failed at a temptation. Maybe these were some of your feelings that you had sinned, you had guilt, you were ashamed, you felt like you lost your joy, your peace. Now, I'm going to do something I call treaching. My wife said, please don't get to the edge. I had a pastor that said he treached. That meant he preached, but he also taught. So I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me treach this morning. Every once in a while, I may raise my hand or something because I want you to take special note of what the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us, okay? If those descriptions of temptation does affect you, there's two things right off the bat I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know. And that's the difference between conviction and condemnation. If you were tempted and you failed... Two different people are going to speak to you. One of them will be the devil. And he will bring condemnation and condemn. There is never an answer to condemnation. There's never an answer to being condemned. When the Lord speaks, when you have fallen and failed to temptation... He will not condemn you. He will convict you. And when he convicts you, that means that you have committed a crime against him and he's already made a provision for you to be uh, released and found not guilty for what you've done through the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 3, verses 18 I will be 99% in the NIV translation. There's a lot of scripture here. Uh, I want to read the whole thing, even though it's going to take just a little bit. But then we're going to dissect some of it in detail. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. That's a very important point. Then John consented, and as soon, I'm sorry, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water 
And that moment heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I want you to know that Jesus just heard the voice of God. Now listen to the next voice he hears. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil told him, I mean, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, And they will lift you up in their hands so that they will not strike your foot against a stone. Note here, just because someone quotes scripture to you does not mean there's someone you need to listen to. Satan is quoting the word (laughs) to the word. That's the 91st Psalm. If you go and look at the 91st Psalm, you'll find out that the devil twisted it just a little bit. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the high mountains, showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Father, we praise you. That is not adequate enough word to really express what you deserve. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're about to do. We confess our weaknesses because in our weaknesses, strength is made perfect. Lord, we pray one for another. Lord, I pray for me. And I pray that we all will hear what you have to say to us today. And everybody said? So I asked you if you may remember how you felt when you were tempted and failed. How many of you recall when you were tempted and you didn't fail? A whole lot less hands, Pastor. They just proved the message. I will assure you, if you're here today and as a Christian, you have achieved victory over temptation far more than you ever yielded to it. Man, somebody ought to shout there. Do I need to show you how? Hallelujah! Did you hear what I just said? If you are a child of God and you are being tempted as a child of God, I can almost assure you that you have had victory over that temptation more more times than you have failed to that temptation. That's worth shouting about. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted without sin. Let me give you another note. 
being tempted is not a sin. Let me tell you something. When I first got saved, that was one of the greatest scriptures I'd ever read. I'm serious. It was great because I couldn't figure out why I was being tempted. But I wasn't being tempted to fail. I'll get into that a little bit later. But when I found out that Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin, and I realized that me being tempted, I wasn't sinning against God. I shouted about it. Now, I want you to go back to chapter 4, verse 11. Now, I hope that God will speak to your heart like he did me when I found this. And I did investigate Last week I was here and pastor preached about Simeon. And he said Simeon was probably 200 years old. I went, hmm, where did Matt get that? (laughs) I've been preaching a long time and I've preached on that maybe once or twice and I'd never heard that. So uh, I did something that I think all of us should do. You should do it after I get done preaching. I went to check on him. So I put in my little phone, computer, whatever you want to call it. How old was Simeon when he died? And you know what it said? About 200 years old. (laughs) Look at this verse. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And I kept looking at that and looking at that. And I thought, "What? what does that mean? So first I figured out what it didn't mean. I don't think the angels came down and knelt over Jesus and wiped his brow out and said, poor little Jesus, we're here to just lift you up. I don't think they came there and quoted scripture to him to strengthen him. I understand there's some football fans in Alabama. Is that true? How many of you are Virginia Tech fans? Raise your hand. Well, anyway... Nobody said y'all were perfect. Now, let's say your football team, your favorite football team was playing. The opposite team, every time they kicked the ball, you blocked it. Every time the opposite team threw a pass, you intercepted it. Every time you had a ball, the ball, you scored a touchdown. How would you respond? Would you go over to your quarterback and say, I know, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. I, I'm just here to wipe your brow and make you feel better. Now, y'all might be quiet here right now, but I doubt many of you were this quiet a few weeks back or whatever. But I'm telling you right now, I think I know what you'd be doing and what the team would be doing. Y'all be shouting, jumping up and down, slapping hands. That's what I think was taking place here. And let me tell you why I think that. I want you to think about what the angels of heaven had witnessed. They witnessed Satan being cast out of heaven because of his rebellion against God. 
They were there and they saw Adam and Eve fail to temptation. They saw Noah fail to temptation. They saw Moses fail to temptation. They saw David fail to temptation. They saw Paul fail to temptation. They saw Peter fail to temptation. And all of a sudden, someone showed up that all the temptation to every sin confronted him. And he did not fail. He won. I think they came down there and celebrated the victory. Hallelujah. I think somebody slapped Jesus across the butt. Hallelujah. I don't know if you know that. Did you know there's only three sins? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All sins fall under those categories. And the angels of heaven witness every one of those temptations fail before their very eyes. Man, that's some good stuff. I hope Pastor Matt's taping this because I think I'm going to listen to it when it's over. Do we need to understand the damage of failing? Yes. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of James, if you would, this morning. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I knew you needed this. James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire is dragged away and enticed. And then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's serious. It fails to temptation. One of the reasons is is because there is no excuse. I'm not going to ask you to raise. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. That cute little girl I married over there, I did not rob the cradle. Well, actually, I did. She was 17, and I was 19. And November the 1st, me and that lovely young lady there, Carrie's mother, has been married 50 years. That sweet little lady I married, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I've heard her speak in tongues. I've seen her read her Bible. On our 50th anniversary, she looked at me. She said, I've put up with this for 50 years, and I don't know if I can go any longer. (laughs) Thank God she was joking. Temptation's serious. We can't embrace it. We can learn from it. Now, and I'm going to hold up my hand again because here comes something that's extremely important. Why does God allow temptation? You ready? Got both feet on the ground? Big news is coming. He did not allow temptation so we would experience failure. He allowed temptation so we can experience victory. Hallelujah! 
He did not allow the tempter to tempt his creation, even tempt his son that we would fail. He allowed temptation so we could experience the victory over the enemy of God. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says this, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan's head, Satan under our feet. Under our feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. What do you think happens to Satan when he sends his temptation towards you? When he sends demons to haunt you? And the next thing you know, you defeat that demon in the name of Jesus. And you do not fail to that temptation. I'm telling you, you're putting your foot on the head of the enemy. Amen. Amen. This is out of the book of uh, the, the Message Bible. I don't think Pastor put it up there because I, I told him he probably didn't need to. But Jesus said this in Matthew, I mean Luke chapter 10. I saw Satan fall as a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I've given you? Save passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions. Woo! Hallelujah. Grew up in a little town called Hillsville, Virginia, about 900 people. Played little league. Walked home. You know, when you're out playing, you get tired, and I just wanted to get home and get some supper and watch the Three Stooges. <laughs> so there was a long way and a shortcut. I had to take the long way because there was a dog on the shortcut. And the dog chased me and tried to bite me every time. So one time I was coming back and I, I was really exhausted. And I got my little glove and my bat and I'm walking. And all of a sudden, even though I wasn't a Christian, I got a revelation. I'm the one with the bat. <laughs> so I knew where he'd be coming from. So I got behind the house, I got the bat in my hand and I stick my head out just enough that he saw me. And here he come. I want y'all to know I hit the only home run I hit all year. I nailed that dog right between the legs. All four legs went out one and he just hit the ground. And I strutted all the way home. I never walked the long way anymore. Because I finally realized what I already possessed carried my victory. So you know what I did? Every time I'd walk home and that dog would look at, could stick his head out and look at me, I'd just take the bat and just hit it on the ground. <laughs> it symbolizes stomping the head of the devil that you've just achieved victory over. Somebody say amen. Then comes the joy and the peace, confidence of life, to be able to have faith that increases as it pleases God and a chance to torment the tormentor. I mentioned it earlier and I'm going to reemphasize it. Moses failed, but he was not a failure. David failed, but he was not a failure. Peter failed, but he was not a failure. Paul failed, but he wasn't a failure. Let me ask you a question. You've already acknowledged you failed. Are you aware you're not a failure? Because you've got more victories in falling and standing up than you have in the days that you fail. 
I can only find one place where you're guaranteed to be a failure. And that is rejection of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and give your heart and your life to Jesus. In the book, Dante's Inferno, the end of the book, it says, all who enter these, enter here, which is the gates of hell, abandon all hope. All who enter there are failures because they have vanished the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit that separates them and allowed them to become victorious. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Y'all still with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Many of you know this passage of Scripture, but let's just refresh ourselves with it. Chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Hallelujah. See, Satan wants you to think you're the only one. So when you're tempted, you find yourself falling into a deeper darkness and try to carry this load by yourself. I don't care what anybody would come up to me and say, Preacher, this is my failure. I'm going to assure you, you're not going to tell me something that other people have not experienced. Matter of fact, most of what you said you've been tempted by, I've been tempted by. See, light always has victory over darkness. If we were to turn the lights out in this building right now, it wouldn't be because the darkness overtook the light. It meant the light was removed. And when we remove the darkness by turning on the light, the enemy is seen for who he is. Yes, there's things that we have to do to carry us through these things. Yes, we depend upon God, but there's things that God is depending on us to do. The Bible says in Psalms, hide the word in your heart. Why? So you won't sin. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of the enemy. Again, I want you to rejoice when you realize that just because you're tempted, that does not mean you've sinned unless you yield to it. Yes, you need to acknowledge you don't have to sin. Well, it's inevitable. Inevitable and have to is two different things. You know what Jesus said to the prostitute that was about to be stoned? He said, go and what? Go and what? Did Jesus just ask her to do something that's not possible? How many of you in here today has ever, after you got saved, didn't sin anymore? No comment. I don't know anybody who hasn't sinned after they got saved. But I do know people who are grieved when they do, who are sorrowful. I know people who have sinned after they got saved and they didn't run from Jesus, they ran to him. I know Christians who have failed, but they learned something from their failure. 
Carrie's granddaddy, my daddy had a favorite saying, and I loved it. He said, you never learn anything the second time you get kicked by a mule. Apparently, I liked it better than y'all did. You need to stay ready and alert. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. As a young man came to me when I was still pastoring, he said, Preacher, I'm not saved. I don't think I'm saved. And I said, son, why? And he says, I can't quit cussing. I said, you don't think you're saved because you can't quit cussing? That's right, preacher. I don't think I'm saved. I said, did you cuss before you got saved? Oh, yeah, I cussed. Did you cuss more before you got saved? Oh, man, I cussed like a sailor. I said, did you feel bad when you cursed? No. I said, do you feel bad when you curse now? Yes. And I said, you know why? He said, why? And I said, because you're saved. (laughs) Conviction. Pastor, come here just a minute. You know why he couldn't hear me back there? He was too far away. You know why he could hear me here? Because he got closer. A lot of times we don't feel the conviction of God because we're too far away. The power of the Holy Spirit is not penetrating us. So yes, there's things that we have to do. Bottom line is how do we overcome Temptation, we do what Jesus did. If we were going to look back at what we looked at in the early scriptures, we'd find Jesus facing temptation. But you'll find that there were certain things that occurred before the temptation came. First off, there was an acknowledgement that the Father loved him. Secondly, we find Jesus submitting to the will of the Father. John said, I don't need to baptize you. Jesus said, oh, yes, you do, because I have to fulfill what the Father said for me to do. Yes, as we get more like Jesus, we are transformed into the image of the Son of God. But this is what we need to also understand this morning. Jesus did not defeat Satan temptation because Jesus was the Son of God. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Y'all still with me? You glad you're in church this morning? If you said no, the guy next to you is going to punch you right in the ribs. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 says, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider it equally with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of the servant being made the son of likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that was above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and and under earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Somebody give God a hand clap. Hallelujah. Jesus did not went over the temptation of Satan because he was the son of God. He over went run over the temptation of Satan because he was a son of man and that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. He was baptized in water. In the scriptures that we just looked at, but he was also baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost that he would be able to fulfill his ministry. You hear what I just said? He was baptized in the Holy Ghost so he would fulfill his ministry. I want to read you something from my Living Bible Commentary. This is being written about Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, for which we read earlier. Everything Jesus did, his preaching, his healing, his suffering, his victory over sin, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus could do nothing apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need the Spirit's enablement? The Spirit came upon Jesus to anoint him and empower him for the kingdom's ministry and for the work of redemption. Jesus himself would later baptize the followers in the Holy Spirit that they might be able to have the Spirit's enablement. Somebody say amen. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 34, Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit without measure, which meant without limitations. He, was, he received the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask this church something this morning. Have you ever set a limit of how much the Holy Spirit can anoint you? Have you decided that you would pick and choose the gifts of the Spirit that you think you need? Then are you filled with the Holy Ghost without measure? Are you open to be receiving the Holy Spirit without measure? This past Christmas, there's a lot of gifts under Pastor and Carrie's tree. I remember one Christmas we were down here and all the packages was given away and there wasn't nothing left. And I hope I've got this right, Carrie, but I think Carrie went by and said, doesn't it look sad? it dawned on me what would really look sad if there was one gift under there. Because the person that provided that gift did not get the joy of giving it. It just laid there wrapped. God's opened up doors for me to preach in places I never dreamed I would preach. I hope I'm not stepping on any toes, but I actually preach more in Baptist churches now than I do in Assemblies of God churches. 
God has opened up the door for me to preach and minister and teach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes there's more enthusiasm for that in the Baptist churches as it is in the Assemblies of God churches. Because we're used to hearing it. But unfortunately, many are still used to rejecting it. I want to say this quickly. I don't, I don't want to try to preach 10 sermons at one time, but I did a message called 27 Miles. Stephen had just been killed, and the Bible says that the apostles were hunkered down in Jerusalem. But Philip went into a Samaritan city, and when he got there, he ministered to people, and they were saved. There was a man by the name of Simon the sorcerer who tried to steal what he saw with his eyes. But the Bible says that when the apostles heard that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon those in Samaria, that they got up and they went straightway to Samaria. In other words, they did not stop. It was 27 miles. They got to the people who had gotten saved. They laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they returned to Jerusalem. But it says on the way back, they stopped and ministered the Word of God. In other words, they had to get to that new church to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said this. He says, it's expedient that I go away. It's expedient. I've got to do this. Why? Because I'm telling you, there's a tempter who's going to tempt you. And if you're not filled with the power of the Spirit, you're going to yield to that temptation. But I'm telling you, I've already provided that when that comes, I've provided a way for you to escape. And that's the same power that I possess when I escape. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Preacher, why do you get loud? I don't know. I just do. Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, I understand something. One of the biggest complaints I had about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the Baptist churches was that they said that A lot of Pentecostals acted like they were better Christians than them because they could speak in tongues or all this. Ex-pastor's wife says, do I have to speak in tongues? I said, no. I said, you get to. Well, it looks like it's time to move on. I want to win over temptation. I want to know that what was important to Jesus is important to me. I want to be able to know that when I do fail, not if I fail, but when I do fail, I'm not going to run from the power. I'm going to run to the power. Amen. I know my wife and daughter and son-in-law is about to faint with what I'm about to say, but I'm done. I'm done. Except (laughs) I want to make altar call. How many of you know what the word altar means? The word altar, as it is given definition under the old covenant, was transferred under the new covenant. An altar is a place where people had a rendezvous with God. 
It was a special place where they met God that they had to put a marker there, Pastor. A reminder. Because there was going to be days they needed to be reminded of what happened and what they heard. I'm going to invite everybody in this church to come up to this altar. If you cannot physically do it or you feel like you're being coerced or forced to come up here, I don't want you to do that. But I'm going to ask you to be faithful that what I'm saying is I'm believing it and I'm not getting you to do this for me. I want you to do it for you. Because I want to pray three things over this church. I'm not going to push you in the floor. (laughs) I'm not going to grab you by the tongue. We had a young man come to the church when I was in Buford, South Carolina, and this young man got saved, and uh, he got delivered from drugs, and he was living in this halfway house, and he was late getting there one Sunday, and the woman said, where you been? He said, I've been to church. She said, that's wonderful. She said, what church do you go to? He said, I went to Assemblies of God Church. She said, don't grab, drink the Kool-Aid and watch out for the tongue that's hanging on the wall. And that was more exciting back then. So I'm going to ask this congregation and the pastor to join me up here, and I'm going to ask this congregation to come to the altar right now. Amen. Feel glad you came to church. Me too. Come on up a little closer. You stand back there because you're afraid I'm going to spit on you. Don't worry, I can spit on them people back there too. To lighten this up one time, I got I got to tell you what happened to me. I was preaching revival, powerful revival. No, I wasn't preaching at that time. I think I maybe preached once, but I was part of the prayer team. We come around, lay hands on people, people being slain in the spirit, a lot of things didn't happen. And I was just praying for this woman like crazy, and I looked up, my tic tac was stuck right there in the middle of her forehead. <laughs> I had to lay hands on one more time. In Jesus. <laughs> These are the three things I'm going to ask you to pray. Lord Jesus, empower me. For my victory. Jesus, I want the gifts of the Spirit. And the third thing is, Jesus, I set no limit. All right, I want everybody to just lift up both hands to the Lord. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Then I want you to pray this out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe you have come to us today to empower us, not to condemn us, not to beat us down, but to lift us up. Lord God, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, empower me by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Jesus said it was expedient for him to go because someone was coming that I really needed to meet. 
And Jesus said, he's going to be bringing me gifts. I love gifts. I want the gifts that God sends to me. Today, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I set no limit to the power that you have for me to be received. Today, I'm not a failure. I'm a victor. I am a conqueror because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, in Jesus' name. And everybody give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Now, I can't turn this over to pastor until I do one last thing. In the year 2002, the last Sunday before New Year's, I preached a message called, The Last Name is Not on the Tombstone. And I preached about, we don't know how much time we have to give our life to Jesus. I want you to know that if you was to visit Carrie's granddaddy's grave in Draper, Virginia, and you read it, it says, died December the 31st, 2002. My daddy died the last day of the year. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because we don't know whether we're going to make it to the next year. And if you're here today, Jesus is not your Savior. What, may I ask, are you waiting for? Well, preacher, I just can't live this life. He's not asking you to. He's asking you to let him live it in you. He's got gifts. He's got power. He's got victory. Somebody slapped him on the butt. I felt bad about that till it finally dawned on me. Jesus created butt. <laughs> Why are you so lighthearted at this moment? Because sometimes we need to understand the depth of what God is saying. to us. I love you so much. I'm not trying to burden you down with anything. I just want to lift you up. I just want you to be with me forever. Until you join me in this heaven that I've prepared for you, I'm going to give you that joy. And you're going to grow from the hard time. I'm going to give you stories to tell that's going to be different than any other human that's ever lived. Revelations 12, 11 said they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The only place in the Bible where something stands alongside of the blood of Jesus. And our stories of victories and our stories of hard times all no longer belong to us. Jesus said, I've bought you with a price. Amen. Now, I'm finished preaching. Y'all are about to preach. And I'm not just doing this because I'm here at Pastor Matt's church. I do this just about every time I'm at church. You're about to become an evangelist. Because you're going to turn to the people next to you and you're going to say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Some of you just about passed out. 
Turn to the people next to you and ask them, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Do it right now. No matter what their answer is, don't grab them. Don't do anything. Just ask them. Now, if anybody next to you could not say that they, uh, they were sure, then we want to pray for them. We want to pray for them. Now, this might be a little bit embarrassing, but uh, so what? <laughs> if you couldn't say I'm sure, would you just slip up your hand? Everybody in here has faced the same thing. Is there anybody? Hallelujah. Preacher, you got a church full of saved people. So you know what? You get to go tell people what you heard today. You get to go pass the word. Bow your hearts with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us hear the sound of fruit ripening. Seeds being planted with an expectation of a harvest day. Father, you know that New Life Church is looking ahead with great expectation. Something great is over us, and we don't want to quench it. We don't want to doubt it. And we don't want to limit it. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Pastor Matt, Kathy, Carrie, every person who's entered this church and all those who are going to enter this church. Those that left this church running from you, let them run back to you. You said that you had a place for everybody, that you would place each member in the body as it pleases you. Let that happen at New Life. Father, you know I'm thankful for the opportunity you give me when I get to preach the gospel. And I know that the things that I said that you didn't say to me didn't mean anything. I'm just asking you not let me hurt anybody. But the things that you said to me and I have said to them, Lord, let us rejoice that God does still speak in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Pastor.